Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to another episode of the Winner Winner PUBG Podcast. My name is Mike, aka MTB Trigger, and I will be your host today. Today's another one of those special episodes that we get really excited for, and I hope you get excited for it as well. I feel like I say this every time we have a special guest on the show, but I'm going to say it again. I'm really excited for this interview guest. And if you've been around the PUBG scene for a while, you've probably heard of him. But in the event you don't follow Twitch, I am proud to introduce the man who was previously known as Old Man Swag. But most of you will probably recognize him by his rebranded name, Swagger. Swagger, how the heck are you, man? Thanks for being on the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, Really looking forward to being here. Awesome, man. Well, I'm glad you could make this work. I know you've got an extremely busy schedule, and I know we've been trying to get this thing together for a while now. And our first few failed attempts, you know, I was looking forward to giving you a hard time, but I think the uh, last one was on me. So I got to take a little heat now. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think that comes with the territory, right? Uh, I'm, I'm truly uh, terrible when it comes to keeping up with my schedule or meetings. And so, so a lot of it was on, on my side. So no, it's all good, man. Obviously, We're here to talk about PUBG. It's a PUBG podcast, and we're definitely going to want to dive into that. But I really want to get some of the background on you because PUBG's only been out a few years. And, you know, I think you're in a similar category to me. You know, we've we've been around for a couple of years longer than PUBG's been around. So I I just kind of want to give everybody and get a little background info. I mean, it's no secret that you're from New York. You know, give us a little bit of that, you know, 60 second background. Like, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. Absolutely. I can dive in quick. My entire life playing FPS games started off back in RTCW and and enemy territory days, Uh, moving through COD, CSGO, uh, Source, you know, pretty much you name it. If it was FPS, I was I was involved. So been through a lot of va- uh, lands. Uh, played for you know some money, a good amount of money in the past. Had the opportunity recently. Uh, used to work in a corporate world, and you know I think that everything happens for a reason. And uh, the company got bought out and, and moved out of state. And the uh, my wife didn't want to move because of family, and and, and I kind of wanted to stay here as well. So I kind of took the uh, the opportunity and the time to start streaming and you know gave myself a couple of years to see if i could be successful and so far it's, it's heading down a positive path so pubg has been a huge huge influence and impact on my life and and pretty much changed my life from a from a you know streaming and uh job and, and everyday grind perspective so um that's kind of where i am with it and you know i'm very very competitive i don't like to lose if you watch me you know i don't like to lose that's even in your description, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> super competitive, does not want to lose. Mm-hmm. I hate losing, and and the people that like losing, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how you can uh, like being a loser when it comes to you know any any game or competitive sport. So you came out of the corporate world. What did you do before getting into streaming? I mean, that sounds like a really. It almost sounds like you had a smooth transition there, but I can't imagine it was that easy. But what were you doing before you decided, like, hey, I'm going to give this streaming a shot? Sure. Um, yeah. So I worked uh, for 15 years for a major telco company, pretty much the second biggest uh, telecommunication company in the United States. I was a manager for their network operations center. They called a knock. We basically handled, you know, obviously through everything on the entire network, managed it and uh, worked with engineers on day to day. 
they uh, they got bought out and it was pretty easy. I'd been there 15 years. They severed me out a lot of money. I was able to close down the network operations center too. So I took a lot of money there. So that kind of gave me the opportunity to, to uh, sit back for a year or two and be comfortable and try to make it in the streaming world. Because we all know you're a streamer, you look at it. It's a tough, it's a grind and a tough thing to be successful in. Yeah, no doubt. And it's funny because I actually have a little history I have a brief background in telecommunications. I worked on the 911 side of provisioning. So when you say knock, I have not heard that acronym in quite a while. You said you were in the network center. So were you guys doing everything? Like I have that little slice in the 911, but were you handling everything for them? And I know you don't want to tell the company and that's fine. Yeah, no, actually, I, I don't mind telling the company. I mean, it was Time Warner Cable. They, they got bought out by Spectrum. Yes, we did. We did everything. So we managed their video, uh, digital phone, and their high-speed data. So... We had it all. We had it obviously segregated within the NOC, but from a management perspective, it was myself and two other managers that handled it all for, there was a hundred and something people. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was a really, I thought I was going to retire there, to be honest. And that's why I say everything happens for a reason. And, and here I am playing video games at, at 36 years old. People can laugh about it, but I'm doing something that I love. And uh, not everybody gets to do that in this day and age. So Right. And <laughs> I'm laughing because I just saw the command in your chat the other day of someone asks how old you are. And I think it's, it doesn't matter how old you are because I'm better than you at video games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Uh, I had them change that about six months ago because I, I don't think age matters. If I'm better than you at a video game, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, and, and I think that's the way it is in life. Right. And like you can you can question and try to say somebody's older or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, if I'm better than you at it, it really doesn't matter. Right. So on the topic of just things that have, have gone on recently, you know, one of the things that kind of stood out to me in your channel, right? While we're just kind of on that subject, your son walked in in the middle of one of your games and he wanted to talk to you about something. And I don't know exactly what it was. I don't remember, but he recently achieved something. Maybe it was a ward or he was going to a practice. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but you cheered him on. And there was this moment where you're giving him a pep talk in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people on your channel. And you told him you were proud and you sent him on his way and you're talking about winning. And you may not realize it, but as a viewer that day, I'm sitting there thinking like, this is awesome. You know, so that winning mentality, I mean, you're obviously teaching that to your family, but you may not realize it, but how, how important is that to you with, you know, bringing up your kids and with your family as well? I, I think, you know, obviously I think, you know, everybody has to lose too, right? I mean, we can, we can sit here and say winning is, is everything, right? But you don't also grow without, without losing, right? And, and you see that day to day in the stream or, you know, whatever's going on on my end, right? It's like there's times that we just lose, but you try to get better and move on. I do think that confidence is a lot of things, uh, pretty much everything when it comes to stuff like winning and, and being successful and, and just anything you do, right? So in most cases, the way I try to treat it is, you know, build the confidence up. And I, you know, I even try to do that with other streamers too, right? Thank you the best. You put your socks on just like everybody else every day or, you know, anybody else every day. So I think confidence, when you build that confidence, that gives you the tool to try to be better and excel at what you do, whether it's a video game or with, you know, in his case, it's karate, soccer, whatever he's playing as a sport at the time. So it's also very important for me that, you know, the stream sees that I, I am a dad. I'm a family man. I'm, I'm married. You know what I mean? And, I, and they are, they do come first. And so if he does come down or they, my kids come down, you'll see it. Like I stop doing whatever I do, you know, whatever I'm doing. If the viewers are there and they're important, but you know, obviously family comes first. So that's kind of where I get, where I go with it, especially when they're coming down, you know, that's, that's the plus side of me being a streamer and being at home. I get that added time where I wouldn't get that in the corporate world where they can just come down and talk to me if I, you know, if they need something. Right. So outside of gaming, what's your absolute favorite thing to do maybe with your family and then also 
you know, on your own or if, if you've got time for just you? Like, what's your favorite family thing and what's your favorite, I don't know, swag time? Yeah, swag <laughs> time? No, way, yeah, no, it's, you know, what's funny is, um, you know, I think like anybody, it used to be video games. And uh, but now that I do it full time and, you know, sometimes 60, 70 hours a week for weeks upon weeks, I don't do that anymore. Um, I, I would say for personal time right now, it, it, depending on the, the seasons that we have in New York, uh, we get a lot of snow and I normally snowmobile. Uh, however, that's been cut back just from a streaming time. You know, right now I, I do, you know, I have a sports car. I like driving, going out and having some fun and taking it to the track and that type of thing on my own. You know, from a family perspective, we try to do everything with the family, whether it's play dates, you know, that type of stuff, hanging out with friends, with other kids. Very important for me to get my kids exposed to a lot of things in life, because I feel like if you do it early on, then they're not surprised and they're more comfortable with things. I've seen kids that are isolated and things like that, that uh, I think it's just better off to have them exposed to more stuff early on. So anytime we can do public things, I mean, we take them to, you know, age appropriate concerts or water parks or, you know, things, anything that we can do to actually spend time with them on the weekends. That's why typically you guys see me always taking Saturdays off. I make sure it's important that I'm off on Saturday and uh, make sure that I'm spending time with them. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, and so like on your stream, like on the walls, like you've got some sports memorabilia there. As I was growing up, you know, there was always this kind of stigma on video games and what you can learn from them. You mentioned that you've been playing FPS games for a long time. How how do you balance that, right? Because I'm somebody that grew up playing video games for a long time and learned a lot from that. But I also grew up playing football, track, baseball, all that. And and there's things that are common between them. There's things you can learn both online and in the real world. But how do you balance that, especially with kids growing up in this time? Do you think there's a place for both of those things in their lives? Yeah, I think I think both bring different elements to maturity and helping them grow as a person, right? Whether it's my daughter or my son. I think that Ultimately, in my mind, I personally would much rather have them in the state that the world's in today, be more technical, savvy, you know, have technology in their background. However, early on right now, we're pushing them into sports more than any than anything, because that also builds that mental discipline and the respect for elders and things like that. So I do think that you have to find that common balance. You know, example is we don't always let them just have their iPads or we don't let them just play on the computer all the time. But my mindset right now for, for my kids, at least, and I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, but this is my opinion. And I think that in the long term, rather have them be more technical savvy and engaged on the Internet, because that's where the world is going to be in the future, rather than have them full blown into sports. I think it's the balance, but that's where I want them to hopefully I can guide them and push them in that direction. You talked about a few of the games that that you played and I've seen you know, a little bit on stream, you've got, you know, your kids like to game with you. And are there games that you're playing with them or that no one knows about? Do you have a guilty pleasure game that you play offline or is there a game you play with them as a family? Yeah. So we do, um, we do board nights and, and uh, game night probably twice a month or time. We try you know, whenever we can, right? Whenever it's available. But right now is Mario Kart is the big thing in the house right now. <laughs> You know, and, and I and I got to be honest, I'm, they're giving it to me. I, I'm getting my, my my wife and my son are both just they both beat me. I can't. I started off beating them early on, but now they just crush me every time. And I kind of. Well, that's why I started laughing. I'm like, dude, they're going to crush you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like if it's not hand flip movements, trying to aim at somebody's head or, you know, take their head off. I, I can't win at that. So um, so we do that a lot. And then, you know, then we do board nights. There are nights that we just completely get rid of the iPads and and uh, computers and that type of thing. And we'll play, you know, different different games we try to go through. You know, they're at the ages, though, right now with the family. Like, having that time is, is hard right now, especially during summer, right? In the wintertime and in fall, it's a lot easier to have time like that. But um, we're pretty much on the go all the time right now. 
Yeah, so that kind of leads into a couple things that we've seen, and we try to do our due diligence and, and dig in a bit, right? And you've been on this, I, w- I would call it a, a getting healthy tear. I mean, you're really public about talking about it. And I know it can be challenging sometimes, and especially with family, especially with kids, right? That's getting kids to eat what you're going to eat. It's not always easy anyway. But streaming full-time, working out, family, can you walk us through, like, what does a day in the life of swag look like? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's funny you ask because today's been one of those days, right? You know, I, I made the conscious decision six months ago that I was going to change my lifestyle. Uh, you know, one of just being wanted to feel healthier and, and, and feel better about myself, but two, also be around for my kids, you know? Uh, I, I don't feel old. I feel really, you know, if you watch me, I act like I'm a, a 15 or 20 year old at times, right? Like I don't feel old at all, but you know, you also want to make sure that you're around for a long time. Right. So, you know, I'm very open about, like you said, like w- what I do and, and how I'm doing it. You know, right now it's starting off. I'm up at 6:45 in the morning and I'm hitting the gym for an hour, hour and a half. Typically we have our, our, our meals prepped, you know, four to five meals a day that I'm trying to eat healthy. I get home, I stream for five hours, take a two or three hour break, try to spend the time with the kids, come back and stream for another five hours. And then, you know, after I get off, I, I go to bed and rinse and repeat the following day. So, you know, it's, it's, it is a struggle. I will say it's just tough. It's, it's from, from a sleep standpoint, I think it's the worst for me. But ultimately, I feel the best I've felt in the, in the last couple of years. You need to be proud of it and it's okay to vocalize that stuff. Some people don't do it that way. Other people do. And it's important for me that um, I talk about it. And, you know, the, the streaming from the, from the streaming perspective, in a lot of ways, the community and the people that show up every day, they're like they're they're like your second family, right? It's like your work family, what people call it when you work at a company for so long. You have a work family, right? That's the community. I mean, a lot of the people that watch me nowadays have been around for almost two years. They, they've seen me through my ups and downs and, and through the good and the bad times. And, and we all have them. I don't know anybody that hasn't went to work every day. And, and I consider streaming, you know, a lot of people say it's a game or you're playing video games. But at the end of the day, it's still something that I have to show up and work eight to ten hours every day or five or six days a week, right? I think it's important to be healthy and, and streaming sitting at a computer every day is probably the worst you could you could have, right? So, Well, I think what I've noticed and I think is really cool about the way you approach it is it's not just doing it and talking about it. What I appreciate is you're doing it from a real standpoint. I was listening in the other day and I think somebody started talking about like five guys or something oh, yeah. and I, I just saw you, mm-hmm. <laughs> saw you like light up and I'm like, this is why, this is what's needed out there, right? The authenticity of your response was, dude, the fries or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so I guess, can you talk about that? I mean, you're really open and, and admittedly, when we've got someone coming on the show, right, I try to dig up some dirt, some funny stuff, right? I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but got to say, man, nobody has any dirt on you. How the <laughs> heck is that possible? Well, I think, you know, I mean, uh, you know, just kind of tackling that real quick is I think that from a streaming perspective, we're always on camera, right? We're always talking. So to not have any dirt, I think it's inevitable eventually. And I think they do. Maybe some maybe some people are just respecting it, but or respecting me, I should say. Oh, no, no, no. I, I try. Dude. <laughs> Trust me. I got, I got my ways. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's you know, this is my I, I treat this like a job, like I keep saying. Right. So I want to make sure that I keep things limited as far as what's exposed uh, as much as you can, because I'm on camera every day. Right. Right. But I will say, like, I mean, like you heard with the five guys thing, like, I mean, when you go a day in and day out for, you know, I just recently did that that workout program that I won. You know, I beat 50 years, 52 people out and, and lost the most weight, gained, gained the most muscle mass, that type of thing. 
So when you go 40 or 50 days of, of eating the same thing and not cheating and, you know, you hear five guys and you're just like, I just want to pound some fries, man. You know what I mean? Like, I've just been eating so healthy and being so happy and, and I'm happy, right? But you just, you got to have a cheat day, man, or you're going to go insane. So um, I've had a little bit so more. did you have five guys? Oh, I, I, that was my cheat. After the program, the next day I went with my wife and I wouldn't even, she was trying to eat fries. I'm like, get out of here. I have, <laughs> it's been 42 days that I have not eaten anything. I mean, I'm talking no sugar, no Red Bulls, no, you know, nothing. And so we got there. And I was like, listen, go get your own fries. If you're trying to eat my fries, get out of here. So um, we had some good laughs about it. And, and now, you know, I think that I'm still doing the same thing. And I'm just about uh, next week, I'm starting another plan too. So I'm back on the grind and I'm going to try to cut, you know, I lost 55 pounds. I'm going to try to cut another 50 pounds and then I'm going to start working out and try to get beef. Back in the day, I used to, I used to bench close to 400. So, uh, I was big back, you know, back when I was in my prime, but I'm not, you know, obviously I've gotten relaxed with being the family man and you know, things, things, yeah. things happen, you know what I mean? But, um, <laughs> so yeah, we've, you know, I've had my moments of, uh, you know, trying to make sure I keep things quiet on stream and, and don't slip and. You know, I'm pretty open, though, as you know, and you've said it multiple times here today, right? Like, I'm a very, and I think some of it is the New Yorker part of it, right? I'm very um, blunt, or I sound blunt, and it's actually really just the way you're, you're raised or how it is in New York. Like, you just, like, I speak what I think, and um, I think some people take that as, as offensive, but it's just, it's not me even being rude or trying to be, sound like I'm mean. It's just the way it is, you know, so... Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, do you ever think that people misunderstand your authenticity or bluntness? Yeah, every day, every day. And and, and I'll be honest with you, that does take a whole uh, like a toll on me. And then my wife will tell you there's times I've laid down in bed afterwards and I'm like, they just don't get me. People just think that that I'm being an a-hole, you know what I mean? And, and, and I'm not. And it's really a lot of it is if you grew up in New York or around New York, you would understand that it's all sarcasm. Most of the time, it's all sarcasm and busting chops. Typically, you can tell a difference 100% if somebody's actually being very mean or or trying to you know come after you type of thing verbally. I think it hurts me sometimes for sure, but I also think I gain viewers because of how blunt per se people want you know, how, how I talked with, with people. It's, it's hard for me to know if it's a pro or con, you know, from a streaming perspective. You look at other people and in, in, in other streamers and, and you question yourself, do I change to try to get better growth? And it's one of those things that I, I don't, I won't ever change who I am based off of trying to get more growth or anything in, in life. I've never been that way and I will never be that way. So it's scary sometimes to think. I think it does hurt me in some scenarios. I'm probably more than, than a positive side. It's definitely interesting because if you spend any amount of time in the channel, you see that. And there's also a really healthy interaction between you and chat in that positive way. Right. And I don't know exactly how to put words around it, but generally speaking, it's a really positive vibe in there. And to be doing that and be honest and authentic all the time, how hard is that? How hard is it when something negative happens? And again, we're playing a game that we talked about winning isn't everything because, I mean, frankly, we're playing a game that 99 people get crushed in every single right. game. How hard is it to maintain that like positive vibe and being authentic when there's thousands of people watching? That has to be challenging. How do you manage that internally? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. I'd be lying to say that I don't tell myself that I need to make sure I'm not negative about the game or something else pretty much every day. I don't personally think that's what any viewer wants to see. However, if you watch the stream, it happens every day, right? 
And I think that's because there's two different things. You know, PUBG is a great game. It has so much potential, so much. And that's really where my heart is with it. I want it to be successful. I think it is successful, but I think it can be so much more. And then you also have the fact that you're always on video eight to 10 hours a day. I was talking with Moses recently and, and we were streaming together and we're playing and you know, he made a great point. You know, when you watch a video or you watch a commercial or a movie, those are edited and things are cut and you only see that, that good part of it, right? You never see when the actor or the actress or whoever it is, is upset or mad or things didn't go good, go well. With streaming, it's completely the opposite. You always see it, right? Whether it's a whether it's a pro or whether it's a con, or things are going well. So I think that that's the challenge, and and you wanna you wanna be authentic. I personally don't like fake people. There are definitely people out there that put on a show and, and they're there to create that type of content, and I and I'm just not a big fan of that personally. I like watching some of those people. There are some great content creators because of their personalities. I mean, there's there's Doc is a prime example. Love watching them. I've been watching them for years. I love him. You know, he's, he's funny. He does good content, right? I'm just not that way. I am more of authentic type of, you know, I'm going to speak how I feel. And, and Doc does that too. So this is not, you know, towards him in any way. I'm just, I guess there's different avenues on how you're going to be a content creator. And I think that that's the challenge. Being happy or sad, like you, you just always are being caught on video compared to like an actress or an actor because they can edit it and cut it out because we're live all the time. And that's the hard balance. So you brought up a couple important things there, and I'm going I'm to ask you to clarify a little bit because there are different avenues for entertainment, right? You, you mentioned the entertainment side, the performer, you mentioned the authentic side. Content creation is a relatively new phenomenon, and it's exploded in the gaming world. And by all accounts, it's going to continue to explode as more and more people find it and the barriers to entry get lower and lower. Is the authentic side at risk with as fast as content is blowing up in your opinion? I think you will see more and more of less authentic and more content creation because that's what people are looking for. Uh, it just depends on your personality and how you want to be perceived, right? So I think in yeah. the future, I think from a marketing standpoint, more of that content creation will be on a less authentic personal base, less authentic and more on a content creation. What can I do to draw the viewers and give them that wow factor to keep them at the channel? or in the channel or coming back, right? However, there are a lot of people that like others that are, are straightforward, real and authentic. I, I don't know where the audience will split, but I do think it will go more towards that full content creation rather than someone like myself that's very authentic and, and it speaks my mind. I think it does hurt me at times. I, I can I can tell you that it does hurt me. You know, for a prime, prime example, somebody will come into the channel and people or adults or kids or whoever they are will be who they are. And I don't take that, like, I'll just ban you. I, 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 we don't want that around and we'll just get rid of you, right? Where some channels right. where, where some channels will just time you out and call it a day. Well, you know, that probably hurts me. But at the end of the day, I just don't want you here, you know? And, and I won't change being that way um, based off of I need, I need that one extra viewer. And, and that's the difference with me where to compare to other people. And it may hurt me, and, and, but I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I stand with that. Well, and I think that's like the really cool part about Twitch is you get to build a community. You have one. It's really cool. What I don't want to put out there is this perception that you're just sitting on a channel and banning people and right. swatting yeah, them around because yeah. that's, that's not what it is. So if somebody hasn't seen the Twitch channel, I would encourage you to go check it out because that's not the way it is. But I do think it's really cool that you're willing to talk about it and say like, look, this is this is how it is. And 
uh, is what I do. I know it, it hurts me, but I think you could flip on the performer side and they might be hurt by being too authentic. Right. right. So it's a, it's a double edged sword. It is. And, it, it, you know, and I think the roundabout, like you made a good point, you know, it's not like we, you know, we may ban one person a day. Right. And, and that's actually a lot. If we ban more than one person a day, that's that's a lot. Right. There are also people that come into the Twitch chat that they know they're going to get banned, right? By what they say, whether it's racist against a streamer or talking about other streamers, whatever the case may be. So I, I don't want people to get get a, a, the wrong idea that we're just banning people. But I guess my point was, is I, as the channel of, of you know, Swagger, Swag Nation, I don't need to tolerate you being ignorant and I won't, I won't do that. And I think that's the authentic part, right? That, that, that goes back to my, you know, being authentic and some people do it and some people don't. And, and, and that's okay. There's no wrong way to do it, right? Because it's your channel, whoever they are. But that's kind of my avenue of handling it. And I think it's important because I think you need both. I think you need performers pushing authentic people. And I think you need authentic people pushing performers because, you know, what you're talking about is really not going to fly just about anywhere. And there may be some places it flies, but right. th- there's some of that's needed. So we kind of waded into PUBG there for a second, and I I do want to talk about it. And there was this history piece of it that I find fascinating. Your first tweet, which I think you've removed since I first started doing research. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, really? But it was back in, I think so. Or maybe it's just the history of Twitter. Yeah, I've never removed like any past like that long ago. I I wonder wonder, if it does it. I wonder how. I saw your first going live. I don't even know what that is. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I don't don't even, I I can't even tell you what it is. That's funny. Which one? The first one? Yeah, I don't, I have, I can't remember. I've never like screenshotted it or anything. So it's funny to hear this. It was April 17th, 2017. And it was just went live. (laughs) That's all all it was. (laughs) Oh, the beginning days of me being, being a streamer, I guess. Right. (laughs) So can you like tell me about that? Like again, now you've you've got a community. We just talked a fair amount about it. What was it like in the beginning? Because I, I feel like that statement it's thrown around in the streaming world a ton. But there's a lot that goes into pushing that button to turn on the camera, to turn on the mic, especially in the beginning. So can you tell me about that? Like what was it like when you first like? How did you hype yourself up? How did you get into it? When you were going to push that button to go live. Yeah. So, I mean, I can get, kind of give you just my my thought process behind it, right? Um, you know, A, I was in management for almost 10 years, right, in the corporate world like we talked about. So, being in front of people, I've never been really nervous. I, I spoke at a lot of big conferences in front of a lot of people that made a lot of money. So, I, I was very comfortable well, now I'm just behind a monitor, right? <laughs> I used to stand in front of 100 people or 200 people and give a presentation, right? So it, I'm very, very comfortable as far as being in the public eye. From that perspective, it is different, right? And it's unique because it, it's funny. People don't think that it's, they think that you're just playing a video game, but it's actually multitasking a lot to some extent, right? For me, I strive on the fact of always trying to communicate and, and talk with the channel, right? I want you to know that I know you're in the channel and I remember you and I remember when you come back or if you say something, I remember if you haven't been there in a while, right? So it is like a multitasking standpoint. And I think I do a really good job of that. And actually, I strive to do that. Sometimes I think it hurts me. Other times I think it's good, right? You got to find that fine line. Uh, pushing the button for the first time was a little, I wouldn't even say nerve wracking, just uncomfortable. You didn't know what you were going to get. You didn't know what you were going to expect. PUBG was the first, it was just released, right? I think, you know, like you said, it was April. Right. I think March is when it came live, right? I think I was two or three weeks right after it went live. 
it's really, really funny because I went to my YouTube channel and saw one of a couple different clips of like that first two. I think I had like a 16 kill game the first week or two that I had played the game and we put it on YouTube and it's still there. Right. And you just look at it and, it, and it's just you laugh. Right. Because it's that first, you know, here I am almost two years in and you look at your first time you were streaming or a first clip or whatever the case may be. And it's you're a completely different person. You're you know, you're well rounded with how you need to handle things on the stream and, and what to do where when you're a first time streamer, you don't you don't know how to handle any of that. But I think that's normal. Right. And that's OK. I think that's what makes you grow and makes you a better person and a streamer in, in this case scenario, right? Like any job. So it, it definitely is nerve wracking. I think a little bit uncomfortable and every person handles that type of stuff differently. One of the things I did early on was communicate to all my friends, steam friends, you know, anybody on my social media stuff that I had, whether it was Facebook, Twitter at the time, posting on Reddit and that type of stuff, anywhere I could get my name out there. That's what I did early on first couple of weeks of streaming. PUBG, I think, even though I had been watching streams, your, you know, your Shrouds, your Hikos, your Doc, and, and Tim the Tapman, and all of those guys prior to me starting to stream, PUBG opened the door to more and more streamers, more than any other game, I think. And I think that that's probably pretty accurate. I may be wrong, but I think that more streamers have developed and came out because of PUBG around that phase than there was prior or there is now, right? So there was a lot of I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I think there was a lot of there was a lot of challenges then and and I think that it just in you know, I think you just got to get lucky for some of this, right? I think that a lot of it, you know, you you got to have some kind of luck. You got to have some kind of talent, some kind of luck to to get where you're at or where I'm at today. And you know, I'm not even where I want to be, right? You know, those first couple of weeks, it was uh <laughs> it was you watched the videos it was funny i looked <laughs> I, I looked at a couple of videos there's there's this one clip if anybody you know if you ever want to watch it i don't know if you saw it but there's a clip where i was we were in a flipped over car a buggy and we were right outside pachinki this had to have been a couple weeks after i started streaming i had a blanket hanged up was or hung up as my backdrop right literally it was a blue blanket because i just wanted some plain color and you could just hear to my voice. I wouldn't even say uncomfortable, just how new I was at, you know, with it, right? Like you just, you know, like yeah. right now it's pretty fluent. I can just talk and we're talking about everything. I think it was just, you could just tell like I was having fun, but it was still like, you're still kind of like, an, you have an audience, right? So I don't know. It, it's pretty funny. I, I It's so funny that you're asking me about this and, and talking about back in April, because like two or three days ago, I actually went through and looked at some of my clips from a long time ago. And I was kind of and the reason why I did that, actually, one of my mods said, do you realize August 1st is when I is when I uh, of 2017 is when I went full time because I was still working corporate world. And I was going back, actually, just a couple of days ago, kind of reminiscing myself and saying, oh, my God, I was laughing at myself like this is what you looked like then. And, you know, because, I've, you know, I've been through the series of different changes within the stream. I'm always changing the background of the stream or the camera angle or you know, whatever it is right. in, in, in alerts and that type of thing. So it's so funny that you asked me about this because uh, I was laughing at myself the other day watching some of the clips from the old, old clips. What stands out the most? Like when you're looking back at those old ones, are you like, are you like cringing at yourself a little bit? Are you looking at how you had the, like, which, what, what stands out the most that's hard to watch? The one I look like Uncle Fester with glasses on. I, I think that was the one that I was in the buggy and it was flipped over. I'm laughing and you got to laugh at yourself, right? Like, and, and I think that you do that anyways, right? Like if you look at old pictures of, it doesn't matter who you are, whether it's on, you know, Facebook or, or Instagram or Twitter right now, you look at years, pictures like three, four years ago, hey, you're going to laugh at yourself a little bit, right? 
some of the clips screamed, I'm a new streamer. And I wish <laughs> I wish I could have changed that. You know what I mean? Like I clearly sometimes can tune in and I actually watch a lot of lower viewer streamers and I lurk a lot. Yeah. People don't understand, like know that I do. I don't talk and I, and I'll drop in and, and just kind of watch because I like to, you know, I like to see other people and, and who they are. And that's why I like sometimes picking people that I, you know, I'll host, but sometimes yeah. I tune into people's channel and I'm like, that was me. I was there two years ago. And like, and you can just tell by the layouts and that's not knocking them. That's just the inexperience of being a new new streamer, right? And and it's so I that those are the ones probably that I cringe the most because you can definitely tune in even to this day and realize just by their layouts and what they have and alerts or whatever it is, right? That they're a newer streamer. They don't know it at the time. You don't know it at the time, but when you look back at it, you laugh a little bit. Oh yeah, I, I haven't been doing it as long as you have, but I look back at some of the beginning stuff. And I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> was I, is or that? What was I thinking? You know what I mean? Like, right. um, I I do also, you know, not the cringy part. On the flip side, I think that I don't personally think that I've changed. And and some people, every somebody will say that you've changed. But if you watch me from the get go, I think that I've always been pretty pretty straightforward with my, with my viewers and with myself. I think that I have, however, because as your viewership grows, there is some kind of added stress and also your sub counts and all the other stuff that come with it, that I think that it does put some stress where it changes the content you were putting out when you had five viewers. And, and, and some of it's for the good and some of it's for the bad. I've had ups and downs and, and, and I'm very, very thankful for where I'm at today. And you know, you just like any job, you have ups and downs and some months are good and some months are bad, right? And uh, I think that that's probably, if you had to say what I missed the most, would be that moment of, okay, it's no stress at all. Just show up, play video games, and have fun. You know what I mean? I have yeah. fun today, and don't get me wrong, there are a lot of, like, I have a lot of great laughs with a lot of people. But at the end of the day, this is now my revenue and my, and my income to take care of my family. And that has definitely yeah. changed my perspective on streaming. And at times, you can totally tell. And I'm well aware of it. I've had a long conversation with my wife about it. There's been people that have reached out to me in emails and they, and they can tell there's people that reached out on Twitter and, and they, and they, you know, they simply just said, you know, out of respect for me, they want to see me happier. And there's days that are way that are are really, really good. And there's other days that are really bad. And I think, I think that we're all human. And I think that everybody has that no matter what profession you're in. Right. So if I had to say like what the takeaway between, you know, you look back and say, oh, well, these are what I was laughing at. I really wish I had that that type of mentality because I think the content would be better if I had none of those worries, right? If you just solely fact, like, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to try to kill everybody and there's nothing on my mind of sub counts, ad revenue, you know, sponsorships, all of that type of stuff, the content is way better. And I think that's why you see so many high-level streamers have the, it's like that domino effect of being a better content creator because once you get to a certain point where you're so successful, you don't have to worry about that revenue or that income and that type of stuff that it just comes natural. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, that's, it's interesting there. Cause I've not heard it put that way before, but I guess where my mind goes is you talked about when there's five people watching, right. And there's probably a depth that you have in conversations in those, you know, beginning times that doesn't exist now. But at the same time, you've developed relationships with some of these people to your point, you have people that have been watching your channel for how long? Two years. There's about, 10 to 15 over two year subs. And that just happened this last month or two. So those, those are the five or 10 people that were in my channel. And you know, what's nutty about it is, you know, one of the guys told me I should have streamed five years ago. Literally when Justin TV came out, 
five or ten years ago, whenever that was, <laughs> oh, dude. before it was taken over with Twitch, he was. We were playing Arma, and he said, "Dude, you need to get on this platform. You need to start streaming. You could be an entertainer. This is going to be the new age." And if I would have listened right. to him then, I probably would be a millionaire now. Right. I do think that there's a common balance between it. And, and I think that I'm still pretty candid with people. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people, even new people that come in that thank me for interacting. However, I, I do, like I said earlier, I think that the interaction piece takes away from the potential of the type of games I could have. And it hurts me sometimes. You know what I mean? Like if, if I turned, I, I tell my wife all the time, if I actually just turned off chat, I kept my camera on, that's fine. And just focus on the game. And I've actually talked with Chad about doing this a week or two ago. I'm not going to interact today. I'm just, I just want to play video games and see how the games go. I think you would see a different level of me playing. Have you tried it yet? Are you going to? I, I haven't tried it. I think I'm going to, we are going to do it. I think we're going to do it on a Sunday. It's a busy day for me, but I think I'm going to do it because I, I think that it's not that I don't provide good content now. It's just the times when I'm actually really focused on the game, I provide the best content I can have when I'm not reading chat. And if you notice most of the big successful streamers that provide really good content, they are not reading chat all the time and they're not interacting all the time. Some people say it's a good thing. Some people say it's a bad thing. Some people say they're at my channel because I do interact, but ultimately what's the greater good, right? I mean, are people watching you for your chat interaction or are people really watching you because they want to see what kind of content on the video game you can provide? And I think that's the fine line, right? It is a fine line. Mm -hmm. I guess my question to you would be, you know, you've played in things like Twitch Rivals and tournaments that require a delay. How much better was your content when you were doing that? Or was it different? Or was it, and maybe better is not the right word, is it different in a good way? Those are hard to judge. I, I think that's probably not the best example, just because, okay. you, you, well, I mean, early on, Twitch Rivals was a lot of fun. It has changed the way it is now. You know, Chaco and I pretty much have been doing it together since it came out. Right. And uh, for PUBG, right. Yeah. The last couple of times have, we haven't been successful like we were in the past. People are getting better. That's inevitable. Right. When a game is out this long, people are going to get better. I don't know the answer to, to give you on that one, to be honest. I have definitely gambled in my head multiple times on do I cut chat interaction 50 percent than what I do today to provide that better con, you know, that better content. Because if you do watch most successful people, you notice that their content is really good and their interaction is low only between games. And they're the most successful streamers. Well, yeah, and I think putting this out there, I mean, I think you'll get some feedback on this. I would encourage people to tell you about it because it, it's a super fascinating topic. You know, we could probably talk about it for hours, right. like which way to go and how to do it and all that. But it's a super interesting debate that you kind of just are letting people know about, which I think is cool, which is this internal battle of what type of content, how to do it, when to do it. Have you ever had other struggles with things like when to stream? Do I split stream? Do I stream all day? Like, how have you worked through that stuff maybe in a different area of being online? Yeah, and you know, I mean, I can talk about, like you said, we can talk about this all day. And, and I'm fine with actually discussing a lot of this. You know, early on, I made the decision, just like you said, about the split schedules or where, when you stream, when not to stream. You know, I came from a business background. I understand business pretty good. You know, it's, it's on my mind all the time, right? I made the, the decision early on as a streamer, once I went full time to stream at night. And I mean, stream at night, I mean, the third shift, I went from 11 p.m. until 6 a.m. And I did that for a year. I did that right last year, August of 17 for the year, basically from then on, because I identified early on that, Hey, this is when all the big streamers are off, right? You, you know, your shrouds at the time it was, you know, Tim summit, all those guys 
we're getting off around midnight or one o'clock. So why not try to take the market and, and, and grow? You know, I probably got 30, 40,000 followers just from the night shift, you know, in terms of working that. So it's definitely a challenge. It's a challenge now, you know? I mean, it's, uh, I'd be lying to say, I think when Chaco streams, he takes all the viewers from a PUBG standpoint. And, and I'm super happy for him. He's put in a lot of hard work. So you try to identify yeah. when, when can you be there for the market when he's not there? And in some ways, his schedule dictates what other people do, right? At a certain point, even like myself, I just do now what I want to do. I do the split stream now because I find the market, I can get the EU people and I also can get the NA people. It takes a toll more on me because I'm doing, you know, you're kind of working for five hours, taking a break for two or three hours and you're coming back. And sometimes you work right through it. And you know what I mean? Next thing you know, you're, you're 12, 14 hours deep into a stream. So as a streamer, you have to, I think, think about that and, and figure out where the best market is. And, and like I said earlier, you know, right now it's flooded. The market is flooded and, and it's very hard to become a successful streamer. Some people make it. And I, and I think it takes a lot of luck and I think it takes a lot of networking. And that's kind of where, I, you know, I, I, you know, from a business perspective, I understood that early on. I reached out to some of the you know, mods here at the podcast and just some folks, because I, I knew they would have some questions for you. And that kind of leads into what some of them said is, you know, look, there's new creators coming in all the time and people pop up out of nowhere all the time. You know, so if you were looking at somebody who was looking at, you know, popping up a stream or, or starting to do it, what kind of advice are you going to give them? I think you just gave some that if you're listening right now, you may want to rewind two minutes because I think there was some awesome insight. But are there other things you would tell somebody who's considering doing yeah this. you know I, and i'm pretty vocal about i want everybody to be successful in this business I, i'll be honest with you this is a tough business and i've met some great great people in this industry i've also seen some shady side of people you have to be well aware of that going into this business it's like that with any business but it's very clicky you know you see it all the time you see people with high viewers play with people with high viewers or higher viewers than them and that's you know people might get upset that i'm saying that but that's the fact the fact is people don't like to play with other people unless they have the same amount of viewers or higher than them. I have never been that way. If you watch my channel, and this isn't a jab at anybody, if you watch my channel, I will play with you if you have five viewers or you have a hundred or you have a thousand or 10,000. You know, I play with Chaco all the time, right? If you're good and we have good personality and we can create content, I'm going to play with you, right? And I say that to kind of start that off as, you know, that's what you should expect because you'll have genuine people that will play with you because they like you and you're good or you're gonna have people that wanna take viewership and, and try to gain from you. And that's the reality of this business. So going into it, if you need to understand that you're okay, you have to be okay with that, or don't get upset when that happens. And that, if you kinda of can understand that going into it, you're, you're already better off, right? From a, from a newer streamer perspective, I always tell people the same thing too, like, you know, make sure you have a camera. I, a lot of people, you know, Lyric does it without a camera, and there's a couple Fortnite streamers that have done it. They're lucky. A lot of people like to see what you look like, how you act, how you interact, right? Communicate the chat. Always talk to chat. There's a couple of streamers that are pretty successful now, and I'm not going to name their names, but I've told them in the early on, they reached out to me and said, well, how do you handle, you know, this amount of viewers or when it fluctuates or whatever? I've told them, turn off the viewer count. Don't watch your viewer count. Because if you let your viewer sure. count dictate how you interact, then you're automatically not being authentic because you're changing your personality based on your viewership which is stupid. So I, I always tell people that. And the people that I told that early on came back to me afterwards and said, dude, that was like the best advice you could give me because it's a consistent content at that point, right? You're not letting a number dictate how you act or how you interact with chat. If you have five viewers or hundred viewers, you're still talking to chat the same way you did with five or a hundred. So those are probably the two or three things that I tell everyone when they ask me about 
what to expect or how to become a good streamer. And then the other thing is, is, is networking. It's super, super important. YouTube, Instagram, playing with other people with your view size or higher. However, that is hard and, and have some luck. I say luck all the time. It, you have to get lucky in this industry. It's part of the business. And I think that's that way with, with everything. So those are probably the things that I would tell. I would tell. And, and I think actually I have a clip of it on the channel because I got asked early on so, because I did grow right, right away pretty, pretty fast. It's kind of stabilized now. But where where I get, you know, growth minimum compared to what I had in the past, we were getting assets so much that I actually created a clip for it. I mean, that's a good thing. That's a good problem to have. But, you know, people are looking to figure out how I did it. All the stuff we're talking about, we'll try to get links in the show notes for so that if someone's trying to watch some of these old clips we're talking about or, or some of that kind of stuff, we'll we'll make sure that they can have easy access to it. So, Swag, tell me, man, how important is it to you to have your channel structure right or have people around you that are supporting your content and maybe what i'm asking is you've got some really cool mods i've gotten to know some of them how important is that team to you yeah i think that um you know going back to where we discussed about becoming a new streamer and, and having everything laid out i think that on top of having your overlays and your panels and things like that look professional, like you've been there for a while, moderators can make or break a channel. I've been a firm believer, and I've spoke about that from time and time again since I started streaming, that if you have good moderators and they interact with chat and they're respectful and they welcome people and they thank people, and they just interact and they want to have a good time while they're watching you play the game, typically it's somebody you want to get that's mature, that can also have fun with people, they can make your channel grow just on them being there alone. Not even you. You don't even have to do anything because if they're good and they have a good personality, people are going to like to be there. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of corny, but it's kind of like a chat room, right? You get people that like to chat and want to have a good time and, and like to talk, then people are going to want to come back. Hey, when I was in that channel, the mods were great. They weren't like the boss in the room, right? They were more like, hey, let's have a good time. Let's let's talk trash and just joke with each other. And so in, in on top of that, on, on things in the back end, right, like your discords and, and you know, some of my moderators have editing uh, privileges. So moderators, get good moderators that you can trust. If you're a new streamer, I promise you it's worth it. Uh, they're hard. They're far and few between. You only can find five or ten of them tops that you can trust, but they can make or break a channel when it comes to growing you know, if they say the wrong thing and they turn off people, they won't be back. And that's the last time they'll be at your channel. So it's that important to make sure you have a good moderator. Well, I think the funny part about that, too, is in your channel, your mods uh, give you about as much crap as you give them. But they're also interacting all the time, to your point. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and if you saw our, like my mod discord channel, like. I respect those guys as much as I give them a hard time and, and Buster Chops. That's my personality. You know that, right? But yeah. at the end of the day, I wouldn't be where I'm at without them. And and they play. I thank them all the time. Uh, I went out of my way to do certain things for certain mods and things like that. I think it's important. I think it's also important to have meetings with them. I used to have them once a month. I don't do it. You know, now I do it every couple months. But I used to do it every month because you want to talk about it and, and just figure out what's good for the channel. You know, they're creating commands. They're trying to save clips for you. They're, you know, they're like your administrators. It kind of sounds crazy, but that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to help the channel grow. So it's so, so important for you to have good quality mods that you can trust. You brought up a few things that, that kind of lead me back into PUBG, right? And we, we've skirted around it, but you said something that's just been resonating in my mind. And it was, you think this game has been successful, but... It has so much potential. Right. What do you want to see? Like if, if, if Swag had his way with this game, like what do you think it needs? What do you think it's missing right now? What is the potential in your mind for this game? This is probably going to be a longer than 
a typical answer, right? I think that first and foremost, PUBG is at probably the best state it's been at, minus a few major issues right now. Communication right now is their, one of their biggest challenges. And I think it's hurting the player base, and, and that's first and foremost. Whether or not they're going to get negative or positive feedback when they make a post, hey, we're delaying something or we're changing something, it, communication, it's the only thing that people are looking for. So I think that that's first and foremost from PUBG. This game is outstanding. If you look and, and play this game and understand this game, it's one of the best games, and it will probably be one of the best games ever made and last the longest, like a CSGO right now. CSGO has been through 1.6 and Source and Go, and you're going to see a PUBG go through that course and survive a lot longer than these other BRs that are out there. That being said, they still have a lot of growth, right? One of the biggest challenges I think that people see, and, and, and I say this all the time if you watch the stream, and it's, and it's very hard not to talk about this. Uh, a prime example of the recent patch. Map is beautiful. I've voiced that to the devs. This is, it, it's beautiful. It looks great. But you've rolled out a patch with, with multiple issues that were brought on for rolling it out. And I think that goes back to that communication part, right? If you communicate it, hey, we are aware of these issues, but we're still going to roll out the patch. Please understand that we'll, we're working to fix these. That's all people want to hear. But when you roll out a patch that has five different things that are game breaking issues and don't communicate any of it, then people just get upset and salty and mad that it was rolled out the way it is. But if you make them aware that you know that it's a problem and you're working on it, people will be more acceptable to rolling it out or delay it and then roll it out after it's fixed. My personal opinion, I'd rather have it fixed and then roll it out. Part of my mindset is more the, the business perspective of if you're a new player and you come to a game, recently there's this the reload bug in the car 98 and you start playing the game and you try to go take a shot and the thing doesn't work and you get killed and it happens two or three times, I'm not playing this game again and you move on. So I'm always thinking of how can PUBG be better and how can we bring more players to the player base so then ultimately this game can excel and be a better game. You know, a lot of times if you hear me or watch me, I may be talking negative about some of the issues, but when you play the game 50 or 60 hours a week, th that's what happens. You know, people think you're complaining about it, but you're just, you, you want it to excel. And it's frustrating when you voice your opinion to try to like help them and you don't see that they're changing or improving the way they're doing it. So that's kind of one area I would say with PUBG. As far as the gameplay mechanics, this game and or mods or different platforms of the game can be so much better. And I wouldn't even say so much better. I mean, the game is at a good state mechanic-wise, gun mechanic-wise, things like that. I would love to see this be an open world, respawn, kind of like an Arma, but obviously with a different twist because you don't want it to be an Arma knockoff. So explain that though, dig into that a little bit because I never played Arma. And I think there's probably a group that hasn't. So what do you mean by like open world Arma? Like what's the differences? Right. So so I think if you if I had to give you my three to four minute spiel of what I could see the game, a new game being a spinoff of PUBG, you take the PUBG mechanics and the movement and the vehicles and, and whatever the case may be and have an open world, meaning you can run around wherever you want in the world. But if you get killed, you can spawn at certain different areas and then play the game and go and kill other people. You can loot them just like we're looting them today. On top of that, you also include things like house building or you know base building and things that you can achieve and or missions to do while you're on that open world, whatever the map is that they create. So you have some kind of goal while you're playing the game. Um, I played an Arma mod where you had like a level one, level two, level three, and a mansion house you would build. You need certain things to build those houses, right? Whether it's remat or cement or rocks or 
things you had to go and farm for. Super, super fun. PvP was insane. You know, you have certain hotspots, kind of like a military today or a hacienda, that if you go there, you get the best valuable things in the game, right? So if you could do that open world with the mechanics of PUBG, including all of those little things that I said, and obviously a lot more, base defenses, things like that, it would be the best game on the market. Somebody might be making it right now, not maybe PUBG, but somebody else could be making it with you know those type of physics and, and, and code or whatever. But it probably was one of my favorite games. And the one game that I'm talking about, it was an Arma mod, right? Some guy just created it and it was the best game I've ever played. So I think that like improving PUBG, it's eventually gonna hit its plateau, right? As far as how good it's gonna be. But then I think that you bring in modding and something to what I was just speaking of, you could take PUBG, AKA mod, whatever you want to call it, and it would be such a game-breaking change and, and, and whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it at that point. But I have voiced exactly kind of what we've talked about to, to others. And, you know, it, they're a company, right? So I'm just a small guy trying to communicate what I could see be successful for PUBG. But I, I hope something, I'm not saying that nothing's ever been confirmed or anything, to be clear, but I hope something like that comes out of PUBG because the shooting mechanics and movement are far, far above any other game out there right now. Yeah, I think that's what brings people back, right? And we just had news recently that PUBG hired Glenn Schofield, and we know that Brendan Green, Player Unknown, is also heading up a studio. And we're starting to see the communication ramp up, right? And I'm biased on this, right? We had Brian Corrigan on the podcast. That's out there now. They kind of gave a message there, and we're seeing a little bit more trickle out. It seems like there's been this ramp up period on communication. But then we have these these hires and these new studios coming out. So, you know, they've talked about this explaining the story more. But what you're talking about is not necessarily explain what's going on more, but maybe the other side and open it up to a more creative side to let the mod support come in. Even if you didn't do mod support, right? Create the game for it to be there, right? Create create some kind of open world environment where it's a respawn. You know, you, you wake up every day and you have, hey, I want to build a house today and, and it's going to take a struggle and there's a lot of PvP. You know, kind of create it so it's not, hey, we're playing for 100, you know, 100 people are in a server and then we die and then we requeue. It's that reoccurring living world. No game has it right now to an extent. I mean, Arma has it to some extent, but, you know, you and then you create different things, right? Like you get, I mean, the sky is the limit when it comes to that type of thing, right? The mechanics, like I said, the the shooting and the mechanics and the movement, and it it really, really could be, I'm hoping whatever Brendan Green is working on and, and the other folks, I'm hoping it's something to that extent. But you don't know. I mean, obviously, it could be years before we hear something. Yeah, but how about bad it. do you want to know? Oh, I want to know. Trust <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, I want to know. So, a thing that's come up recently a lot, especially with GLL just having completed, is the competitive scene. Now, I know that mm-hmm. one of the big pushes for you back in the day was the leaderboard grind, back when the leaderboard was around. How important do you think the competitive scene of the current PUBG and the success of that long term is important to this kind of stuff you talked about because Corrigan came on the show and he said they've got a 10 year plan for this game, which I got super excited about. It sounds like you're excited about it from what it could be, but then there's this like competitive side and there's just like, do they do a ranked mode? Do they do a leaderboard again? Like, how important is it for that to get fleshed out, especially with, you know, the competition? Apex Legends just launched a ranked mode. Fortnite just had is working on worlds or just had worlds. What do you think about that side of it? You know, I, I have mixed feelings about rank mode and, and that type of thing. And, and I think I'm biased because I'm, I'm just a streamer, right? Mm. Uh, early on, one of the things I did, as you mentioned, 
is I went for kill rank or leaderboard win rate, you know, um, and that was for me to get noticed. And, and that was right when I started streaming, right? That was what everybody grinded for. I went for the first four seasons, my partner and I in duos, we were top one through three for four seasons in a row. And, you know, I had TV in my name. I wanted to get, I wanted to get noticed and people came to my channel for it. So I think that the rank mode is great for that type of exposure for streamers. But then it also is great for the folks that the player base for like your MPLs or your PELs or the competition scene. That being said, from a streamer perspective, for me, I think it will hurt the game for the public players. Now, if you have it separated, that's one thing. But from an NA standpoint, you can't really do that because the player base is dwindling to where if you just put out a competitive or rank mode, you're going to see everybody play the rank mode and then it's going to be super sweaty because everybody's trying to do it for the leaderboards. And it will give people drives. I, I would do it myself. But I think ultimately we're trying to create content as streamers. You know, high kill games are great, but also those funny moments are really good too. That's what people like to see. And you can't get that when you're trying to go for your, you know, your ranked game, right? You can't, I mean, you can, but you're going to ruin your yeah. rank points, right? So it, it, I, I agree with it. But I do think it's a double-edged sword. And I don't know the answer. I've said that. I've voiced that. People have asked me about it. I think it's a 50-50 it's a, it's a gamble. And I think that player base is part of the problem. That, that's a big part of it. If you could have done that type of thing two years ago like it was, then you wouldn't have a problem. I just think that ranked mode right now may be a problem for at least NA, not EU. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting topic. You set a couple people down in a room and nobody's going to think exactly the same on it. So. <laughs> you kind of mentioned the sarcasm thing, uh, the New York sarcasm and how it, sometimes it's hard to kind of gather, you know, and I've been watching for quite a while. And, and a lot of times I like to tell people like how we met or how we got introduced. And you may not remember this. And if you did, I would be shocked. But you kind of mentioned back in the day when you had TV in your name and it was old man swag, right? Mm -hmm. This was shortly after I started playing. This was November of 2017 when I picked up the game. And I had no idea how fond of bridges you were. Okay. <laughs> so here's me. I drive up to the back of the bridge and I'm sitting there with like an M4 fully decked out. And here comes a U.S. driving at me. And there's a guy with a ghillie suit in it. And I, I set up, I tee up and I just, I, I start mowing into you and you popped out of the U.S. and you one tapped me with the arm on the bridge. And I came into your <laughs> chat and I was like, that was the craziest shot I've ever seen. <laughs> and I was like, and it was the TV in your name is what got me there, right? And I didn't know anything about Twitch. I did podcast wasn't even in my mind at that time. But you talk about content and you talk about, you know, being kind of a low-key troll, that, that New York thing. And I just remember going into the chat and you just were like, you're like, yeah, yeah, nice try. I like, you trolled me so good. Like, and it was fun though. Like it wasn't in like a menacing way. <laughs> if you remember that, I'd be shocked. But it was, to me, it was that low-key troll that to me, it was just something that drew me in way back then. And you, you talked about being misunderstood, but is there anything else that you really enjoy that maybe you don't get to do a lot or you'd love to do more of on stream? And I know we talked a little bit about that in the past, but there's those moments, like you said, those content moments that drew me in. Is there anything else that like you just wish you could do more of if you had all the time in the world? Or maybe it's a budget thing. I don't know. You know, it's funny you say that. So I, I will be honest with you if I don't remember that, but there's been a lot of bridge camping in, in the day of PUBG in, in the swagger history, right? Uh, it, it's my it's actually the most fun I ever. I love doing the bridge camp. It is a choke point. 
it's fun. I'm pretty good at it, right? <laughs> um, but who, who? I mean, anybody could be good at it to some extent because it's a bottleneck, right? But I have the most fun doing that. If you ever watch me today, if you see, the, it just lights up. As soon as I hit the map button and it's a bridge game, it's the most fun I'm going to have in the game for that day, right? I look forward to having a bridge camp game, not only because it's just fun, but most of those games are like, there's just crazy stuff that happens, right? So it's, it's pretty good content. I, I would probably say, you know, if there's things that I would like to do more or, you know, hope, hopefully you could be better, you know, at, for, from a content standpoint, I will say that I, I wish that I had the drive to create that content more than I do now. And I'd be lying to say that I don't. And part of that is, and, and, and if you watch the channel, I kind of hinted on that a little bit, a little bit earlier. I'm, I'm kind of spent on PUBG. And I think that that's normal. You know, I think this new map has kind of rejuvenated it a little bit for me. Like today I was laying on the couch before we were going to talk and I, and I kind of said to myself, man, I'm actually pretty excited to play the game today. I think like any job, you kind of get tired, right? Yeah. And you know, when you do it 40 to 60 hours every week and you know, some days are longer than others and the game is tilting sometimes, I just think you get a little tired. And I think what's happening with me is, and I've been very vocal about this on stream, and I don't think you're a normal streamer if you don't go through some of this. I've talked to some high-end streamers or, you know, higher, bigger, bigger streamers, you know, other than Chaco, right? You know, Chaco and I are really good friends and we and we do talk a lot offline and, and about stuff. And you'd be abnormal not to go through this type of thing that I'm going through right now. And I'm kind of out of it right now, actually. I'm starting to come out of it. I, You know, for the last month or two, I think I went through kind of a slump where I just was exhausted with playing PUBG. And it really wasn't... PUBG, it was more of, it wasn't exciting for me anymore. It didn't have the drive. You know, I've had those 25 kill games. I've had those, you know, 20 kill games. I've had the, the great content, the funny laughs. But ultimately when it starts becoming like an actual chore and a job for you is when you stop having fun and then the content goes down, right? So if I had to say, I wish I could have more of something, it would be more of those old times where like I was grinding the leaderboards. You know, Chaco and I talk about it all the time, right? We, we, we literally just were talking about it last week on stream live. We were saying, you know, him and I could have 12 or 14 kills and then we're just like, let's go send it and just die. You know, most people would be like, what the hell? You both had like 25 kills total and you're just jumping it off of a rock and you die and you're like, okay, on to the next game. Back in the day, we would be driving to try to get more kills and I just don't have that drive anymore. And I think it's just because of how much time I spend in the game. And I want that back. And I think it's starting to come back for me. So I was just in that slump. And I think if you, you know, if you had to ask me what I need to get back or more time of, I want to get back those moments where I, I just have that drive to create more content. I wouldn't even say that I'm creating bad content now. It's just more of that drive to be better. And, and maybe the new map will bring it, maybe the rank mode even a different game, you know, you never know, right? And, and but that's really where I've been a little bit in a slump the last couple of months, but I'm just finally mentally wise getting out of it the last probably month. You've actually brought up other games, right? I've seen you talk about it on Twitter. And I mean, there's a time where you were looking at Battalion 1944. You've been playing a little Fortnite. Has playing some more of that helped with PUBG maybe reduce that fatigue? How do you manage that? Because I mean, you obviously your channel's been primarily PUBG, right? And you've been really vocal that this game launched or was a massive part in what your community now is. But how important is it, do you think, to put some other stuff in or to be looking around? Because look, we had a developer on here and he's talking about watching his kids play Fortnite through their eyes and how cool that is. I mean, as gamers, like, I don't think there's anybody out there who's gaming who just plays one game. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a scary, if I'm being honest, it's a scary situation. 
because you know the one thing that i have that a lot of streamers or i mean some streamers would have it but you know if anything ever went south for me tomorrow i would just go back to a corporate world the ceos that have reached out to me that i used to work for that would want me to come back sure. right and, and and you know do something in the corporate world so i, I kind of have a fallback on that but it's a scary from a streamer perspective when you start on one game and that's the only game you play you know ultimately if tomorrow if PUBG went away where would i be right where would i be from from a revenue standpoint viewer standpoint all of that stuff coming in will i be successful will i be able to, you know and that's the mental fatigue part that i think that i was going through the last couple of months you know we had really good successful and crazy months for the last six months and then it slowed down uh, a lot of it's because of summer and in you know, I slowed down a little bit with my time and things like that. That's part of the reason why I started playing different games to kind of get my head out of the PUBG. You know, this is all you have to play. It definitely is something I will be venturing in more in the future. And people get upset, right? Solely my viewer base is it was created on PUBG. But ultimately, you know, those that really like me are going to stay for the personality and the content that I'm going to produce in those, there's going to be people that leave because I'm not playing PUBG and that's just the nature of the sure. business, right? I don't know. I mean, I, it's never safe, but are you really safe in any any job or profession you do? You know, it, ultimately it could change tomorrow. Well, I think that's the, that's the real truth, right? You've talked about Chaco a fair amount. And you've got a pretty cool history of playing with some big name people, both in game, some people from pop culture. So it, it kind of has me curious, like, what's the coolest thing or maybe it's a memory that has happened because of your Twitch channel? Yeah, I, I would say probably memories, right? If you had asked me a year ago, right around this time, actually started changing, right? Things around summer or August of last year started getting really, really busy for me from from a stream perspective playing with with people like Dead Mouse. I mean, he was the first, I would say, pop culture or celebrity that I got introduced to. Yeah. Uh, and it was surreal. You know, he had asked myself, Ashik, Hallie, to come out to his house and spend a couple of days with him, hang out. He showed us, you know, his world, right? We got to play with him. It was awesome. It was unbelievable. It, and it was something I, I've talked about with a lot of family and friends offline and then they just can't you know they can't understand you know how how gaming has brought that type of thing and, and you know then you know i i was following ben simmons a lot of people know that you know if, if those are the people that are listening that don't know who he is he's he's the point guard for the 76ers and um i was following him and he mentioned that he wanted to play some PUBG with somebody and i reached out to him on twitter and it said yo i'm down i'm I, I said i think i said if you're looking for a legend i'm here just dm me <laughs> Because I always joke about me being a legend, right? Like I just, you know, it's the persona, yeah. right? I think that it, this goes back to the confidence thing. If you think you're good, you're going to play good. You think you're crappy, you're going to play crappy. It's just the way it is. And I'm a prime example of it. When I'm feeling like I'm playing like crap, I play like crap. And that's just the way it is. If I'm tired, I play like crap. And um, so, you know, I, I said that to him and he, you know, probably a couple of weeks went by and um, next thing you know, he reached out to me and we started playing and we probably what played for a couple months and we were, you know, chatting offline. He FaceTimed me a couple times and, you know, we kind of just hit it off. And, and I think that, you know, with Ben and, I, and I'm not going to speak for him and even with Dead Mouse and, and, you know, going on to the, we'll talk about Jeremiah and the Lumineers. I think that, you know, a lot of these guys are in the public eye way more than we are, obviously, at a different statue in life and, and they're just celebrities, right? And what I think happens is, is just from my experience with just dealing with most of them is they don't have people that are genuine other than maybe they're people they grew up with. Everybody's all around them to try to either get something or somehow get something off of them. I may be wrong, but I think if you look at the public that in, in celebrities, that's what happens. And it's, I say it all the time and I said it earlier, these guys put their socks on just like I do every morning, right? There's no different than me. And I think that that's why I've had a good relationship with a couple of these people, you know, with Joel, with Dead Mouse and Ben and with Jeremiah from the Lumineers is 
I don't treat them different just because they're they're celebrities. I mean, I, I literally talk trash to them like I would talk trash to you or any of my buddies, right? So it definitely has changed, you know, playing with Ben and he invited me to go down and see him and in person and he took, he gave me the royal treatment. You know, we were backstage and me and my buddy, my buddy and I, he gave us front row tickets, came up to me, gave me his jersey. I mean, it was just such a surreal moment that I didn't think anything could top that moment in my life. And I will never forget that because it's just something not everybody gets to experience. You don't want to take it for granted, but it was awesome. It was crazy. And then, you know, we still play. I actually, he FaceTimed me two days ago while I was, you know, on a kid day at the water park on, on Tuesday. And we talked for a minute and he was talking about, you know, catching up with me for PUBG. So... Then, you know, then Jeremiah reached out to me and, and, and it's so funny with Jeremiah. So he's from the Lumineers, if you don't know. Yeah, I actually got to meet him. I, I went out to one of his shows. Super surreal and such a cool guy, right? I mean, he's just down to earth and, and, and super fun to hang out with. So he sent me an email and, and you know, I, I, from time to time I get an email saying somebody's, this is such and such <laughs> and you just can't always trust right. it, right? It's just the right. way it goes, right? So I responded with like, I don't mean to be rude, but can you follow me on Twitter? <laughs> and next thing you know, two minutes later, Lumineers and he on his personal account followed me. And so I was like, All right, the, the, he's the real deal. <laughs> so that's kind of how we hooked up. And he's like, look, I'm looking to play PUBG. I've been watching you for a while. Can we play? And I'm like, sure. Like, I'll play with you. I don't, you know, I don't, like I said earlier, I don't care if, who you are, right? Is If you're good and we can have a good time, I don't care. So, you know, we hooked up with him and, um, he, he, you know, as you know, he took Cambino and I and our, our girlfriends and, and wives down and uh, we met him in New York City. And again, that was just like we had the royal treatment. We met him for two days in a row. And if you had to ask and, we, and we, you know, he took us backstage and, and, and just it was just so amazing. And if you had to ask me, my family can't believe it or my friends that within the last year, this is what gaming has brought to me. You got to be grateful. And that's why if it all ended tomorrow. At the end of the day, I can say I had a good ride. You know what I mean? Like things were good, but it's so surreal and, and unbelievable that gaming can bring that type of interaction. And it just goes to show you that everybody's human and everybody likes to have fun and do certain things, you know? And I think that nowadays the gaming industry and no matter what age, it's changing. You know, before it used to be a kid thing, you're seeing a lot of older people from 25 to 40 playing the game and, and you know, and celebrity. So it's, it's definitely opening up more than what it was in the past. And I think I'm a prime example. And then you look at the celebrities or anybody my age or, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, that kind of shows you what the gaming industry could have in the future. Oh, it's really cool. It's I, I think I'm going to say this now. I think you've talked about some things, you know, revenue and, and who you get to meet and some things that are really, I don't know, I, I don't want to say behind closed doors. But again, you, you just come at it with such an authenticity. I, I hope that gets appreciated because I, I just appreciate you talking about it because those can be challenging things to explain in a way that makes sense. And And I just appreciate you doing that and taking the time to do it because it's an interesting world to navigate and you've just had some cool experiences that at the end of the day, it sounds like it's just this, look, you get, you click on a personal level, regardless of where you're at in the streaming world, where they're at in the celebrity status. Uh, but it's just cool that gaming has brought together personalities that get along and they happen to be a professional basketball player or a musician. You happen to be a pretty big streamer, but at the end of the day, you guys come together and you game. How cool is that? Right. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's 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 surreal. It, that's why I'm saying the gaming industry has so so much more potential. I think in the future from where it's at today, and and you see it, right? You see the ninjas playing with um, Drake. Yeah, he playing with Drake and Marshmallow. You know, it, it, and you're seeing it more and more. There are a lot of people. Rampage Jackson played with uh, Joshua G. I mean, you're seeing it. People are just human, and they want to have a good time. And and you know, people that knock video games. Well, I'm sorry. You need to get with the times because this is the way it's going to be, and it's only going to get better, right? But yeah, you know, going back to the revenue stuff like that, I, I think that 
you know, some people are more open about it than, than others. And again, it goes back to me being authentic and speaking my mind. Yeah, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but I'm not going to change. That's kind of who I am, you know, and take it or leave it. You know, <laughs> you get what you get when you, you at least you know where you're at when, when <laughs> right. you come in my channel. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, no, we get we get emails on stuff, too. Right. Where we'll say something or have an opinion on something PUBG related and we get the emails or the tweets. And it's like, I, you know, I'm, this is oh, yeah. how I feel, man. That's how we that's how we game. That's what we think. You know, you can have a different opinion. Right. It's fine. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. man. Well, hey, thanks for diving into some of that stuff again. And we're at that point in the show where what we do with every single guest on the show, we have a little segment here called Automatic Fire Questions. And basically, what I'm going to do is ask you a series of questions. And the goal is that you respond with the first thing that comes to mind. We've had guests in the past who switched to single fire, but I feel like you're a fully automatic kind of guy. So... Are you sure? Are you sure you want what automatically comes to my mind? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm yes, kidding. Yes, I want. I want that full right. M4 automatic spray down. Let's go. <laughs> All right, let's let's go. Right, I'm ready. Go. Favorite map okay. on PUBG? Miramar. Favorite primary and secondary weapon combo? M4 K9 Car 98. If you had to use only one gun for the rest of your time playing PUBG, what would it be? MK14. Best person that you've played duos with mechanically? Taco Taco. Best person you've played duos with content-wise? Magical Squid. Who would you love to play duos with that you have not played with yet? Dr. Disrespect. Dream Squad. Who are the three people in the squad for four hours straight? Four hours? Shroud, Chaco, Dr. Disrespect. Number one thing you want added to PUBG? Added to PUBG. I can't give you an answer right now. No worries. I'm drawing blanks. I'm sure I got a lot. (laughs) What's the number one thing you want removed from PUBG? Red zones. Number one thing you want fixed, tweaked, or modified? Sound. Who is the best driver in PUBG North America? Me. Who's the worst driver in PUBG North America? Taco Taco. (laughs) M4 or Scar? M4. Why? It's overall the most versatile gun in the game. Whether it's close range, long range, medium range, it's the best gun in the game. If you were able to put a skin on any one gun, what would it be? M4. Is there a second gun that you would put a skin on? SLR. I'm I'm in love with the SLR right now. Loving it. Man, that was automatic swag. I thought it was going to take you. longer. I thought it was good. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Well, swag, thanks, man. I, I just want to say thank you again for taking the time. I know you streamed this morning. You're going to stream this afternoon again. I just wanted to say thank you, man. And what we do with everybody here, I'm about to give you the floor. Please tell people where they can find you, how they can find you, when they can find you. If you've got anything cool coming up, let people know what they can expect. I mean, I hope everybody gets a glimpse into who Swagger is. Sir, let them know where they can find you and anything else you want to talk about. Absolutely. And, and, and first and foremost, I want to thank you for having me on here. Uh, super excited to do it. Sorry that it was delayed. Uh, I think now we finally got our schedules together, so I, I definitely appreciate it. As far as who I am, I think you got a good idea who I am. Listen to this. You can follow me or find me at twitch.tv slash swagger. Uh, also on Swagger on Twitter and Swagger YT on YouTube. If you know, if you don't have an idea who I am, I'm a longtime gamer. Love video games. Love to have fun. Pretty blunt. But also, uh, I think I create some pretty good content, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty good at any game I, I have ever played. So I think that if you tune in, you would have a fun time, and and uh, I interact pretty well with with everybody that comes to the channel. If you're looking to have a good time, want to kill some time at home, and you don't want to watch any TV shows, whatever the case may be, you want to get good at the game, and you want to watch a legend in the making, you need to stop by Twitch.tv/swagger. 
awesome. Well, I hope you like this. Let us know how you feel. Make sure that you tell Swag what you thought of the interview. Stop by his Twitch channel. Tell him that Winner Winner sent you over there. You know, and as I'm thinking about this right now, Swag, I missed one automatic fire question. Oh, I'm here. What is your favorite emote on your channel? My favorite emote on my channel? Uh, later, bro. Later, bro. Okay. Uh, I think if you tune in my channel enough, you, you, you hear me yell later, bro, every time I headshot somebody. So <laughs> it, it happens all the time. I have a bone to pick with you. Hmm? <laughs> every time I come across a car that has a blown out tire, mm-hmm. I hate you. So I think I, 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 you know, I'm not going to try to take responsibility for the meta of blowing out tires, but I have to say, I think that I started that meta and every time I see it happen on somebody else's channel, I laugh because I really think that I actually started it. I won't take responsibility or the credit for it, but early, early on, I used to shoot out tires when, when the game had just came out because I wanted to screw everybody over. And to this oh. day, when I even when somebody does it to me, I can't even get mad. I'm like, I, I created this meta. Like, what do they? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I know it's. Uh, if you're out there, make sure you shoot tires. It's the best thing. It's gonna get your no, enemies upset. Stop it. So. <laughs> Every time, yeah. I just I, like, I don't even know if you're in the game, and I'm just like, gosh dang it. Yep. <laughs> Why? <laughs> hey man, I thanks for yeah, thanks for having me here again, and and uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been. Uh, I, I'm I'm sorry that we didn't do it sooner. Oh, well, it's an open door here, man, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up, so we'll we'll find a way to get you back as well. So thank you again. All right, brother. Well, there you have it, the legend himself, Swagger. Make sure to stop by his Twitch channel and tell him you heard the interview, and make sure to stick around for a bridge camp. It is a thing of beauty. If you're looking to find me, you can find me on Twitch or Twitter at MTB Trigger. You can contact the podcast via Discord or email at winnerpodcast at gmail.com. And finally, if you'd like to support this little passion project we call Winner Winner, even a dollar per month on Patreon goes a long way. Big thanks to Spiffy Man for the music, and a final thanks to Swagger for coming on the show. Catch you all soon. Winner Winner, out. Winner Winner.